Hi, uh, welcome to the new voting project. My name is Kanal, your host. And today we are very excited to have Matt Haney with us, your supervisor for the city and county of San Francisco representing District 6. Uh, you are a past commissioner, uh, president and vice president of the San Francisco Board of Education. You're actually one of the only people I know who's been endorsed by Barack Obama in that, in that race, I kid you not. Uh, you're also a national political director for the Dream Corps, uh, where you led to create more opportunities for those formerly mass incarcerated. You're also the co-founder of Hashtag Cut 50. You worked with Van Jones, shout out to him. If you ever wanna come to the show, hit me up. And Jessica Jackson, uh, and, uh, which is an organization that was the lead proponent of criminal justice reform legislation, the First Step Act. Uh, you're also, or formerly, the executive director of the UC Student Association, and he also graduated from UC Berkeley, Bay Area native. You have a law degree from Stanford, I've been told. This is a lot of shit. This is a big introduction. <laughs> um, hey, man, you're making me sound really old right now. That's all right. No, no, no. You look young, so that's what matters. <laughs> That's what matters. Uh, so thank you so much for taking the time. You're a busy guy, so so I do appreciate it. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Of course. All right. So let's get into these questions. Uh, starting off, you know, talk a little bit about your background, what you did with the Board of Education, your work at Dream Corps, your your current role as a supervisor in San Francisco, and I guess your future aspirations. You're running for office. So 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 talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, uh, it's great, great to be with you and to be over the chat. Uh, I, uh, born and raised in the Bay Area, uh, East Bay, like yourself, uh, stuck around pretty much my whole career. I was raised by my mom over there, public schools, UC Berkeley, and then have spent my uh, entire adult life and career here in San Francisco doing a bunch of random shit, which you, you have done there. I, I, I ran the UC Student Association. I worked for the Obama campaign. I actually dropped out of law school to go work for Obama, went all over the country, went to the White House. That's where I met Van. Uh, I uh, turned down a job uh, uh, to, to be in a law firm, which I think would have really sucked. And I instead went to be an organizer. And I've been an organizer for most of my career, basically trying to build power for people to make sure that government is responsive and does the right thing and reflects the needs uh, and experiences of people who are often shut out of government, whether that's students or the Tenderloin where, where I live and work now, people who are facing evictions, uh, people who are formerly incarcerated. So that's been my work. And then uh, I found myself in government trying to change it from the inside. And I, But I've really tried to take the approach of being an organizer into government, you know, recognizing that uh, when government does things, especially good things, uh, it's because we're being responsive to people and their voices and their needs. Uh, and when government does things that seem unlikely or impossible uh, or more challenging, it's because people push us to and they make things possible and they hold us accountable. And so uh, I, I am uh, somebody who views my responsibility as to help make more possible by giving people more power particularly um, people who are um, mostly government to work for them, you know, working people, uh, communities of color, students, young people. Uh, and uh, that's been my life's work. And I think that uh, in particular institutions like schools and jails and hospitals and housing and all of that uh, need to be uh, more responsive uh, to, to, to people and their needs and more caring and more compassionate. 
and not punitive. And that's been my my work that's come from you know everything I've seen and done. So that's me, and I am running for the state assembly. Uh, I worked in the state legislature 15 years ago. Uh, I learned then when I worked there as a legislative aide that uh, what is decided up there is really important. Um, many of the, you know, if you turn on CNN or you read the newspaper, most of the stuff that you read about or see is about Washington, D.C. Yeah. In case it's about local government. But most of the things that I think impact our lives are actually decided in Sacramento. Uh, our healthcare system, our public education system, public higher education, our laws, like our criminal justice system. Um, a lot of important decisions are made up there. And most people don't know what the hell the state legislature is or what they do. And as a result of that, most of the people who are up there work for lobbyists, uh, even though they may be called assembly member. And we have to change that. And I, I think that I've learned a lot about how to bring about change at the local level. I've impacted statewide policy. Uh, I've done it from the perspective of an organizer. And I think I'm, I'm ready to go fight for San Franciscans uh, up in Sacramento. So that's why I'm doing it. Um, and it'll be a special election and I'm sure we'll talk more about it. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Uh, but yeah, I would like to relay one thing I've learned you know, having worked in elections on every single level, right? You talk about federal, uh, state, municipal, regional, the ones I find the most entertaining and the most impactful are ones at the local level. And you've obviously groomed yourself from the local level. I mean, you were on school board, right? So that, that just comes to show, I think, that you've not only understood each level of government there is, but I think you're ready uh, to take on the challenges in Sacramento, I mean, it's a shitstorm over there, from what I hear, um, and and to embolden the progressive legislators there uh, would 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 be great. Going, you know, post COVID ish, whatever we are right now. Uh, so, so, yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, now, I would like to talk about your campaign. Uh, you know, what are kind of the the core the core policies, the the objectives you'd like to accomplish in your role as a state assemblyman? Uh, especially in your district, San Francisco. I mean, it's it's San Francisco. You know, <laughs> there's not much I can go but say more to describe that. Yeah, uh, you know, I I represent a district that I think unfortunately uh, reflects a lot of the disparities uh, and failures of our state. Uh, I have some of the poorest people in the state in my district, uh, in the Tenderloin and other parts of District Six, and I have some of the wealthiest people. And uh, that kind of um, stratification is also what's happening across our city more broadly and across California. And I think it leads to a level of dislocation, anxiety, uncertainty, instability in people's lives that is really harmful to everyone. Even if you've got money, if you live in a city where a bunch of people don't and have very little, uh, it's gonna affect your quality of life too. So uh, uh, addressing uh, uh, income inequality and also the instability um, that comes with the lack of, a, of an effective social safety net is where my focus is going to be. Uh, that means that both that we need wealth tax, we need taxes on big corporations and billionaires who've done very well during the last many years, but especially the last year. And we need to put more money in the pockets of people who are struggling, uh, you know, for guaranteed income, a basic income. 
Uh, I'm, I'm for much more expansive uh, investments in social services um, and um, public services. Uh, but I'm also for uh, ensuring that people have a basic level of stability in their lives. That means uh, higher education should be accessible and free uh, and high quality. It means that uh, we should invest in our public schools. It means that we should have guaranteed health care uh, with Medicare for all, for everyone. Uh, it means that we should have much more expansive uh, paid family leave and child care uh, and things that allow families uh, a level of stability um, that they don't have now. And a lot of things, good things happen from stability. Um, and that's what we're seeing from guaranteed income and those kind of policies where if people don't have to worry about what will happen in the next emergency and emergencies happen to every family, they've happened to my families, uh, my family um, uh, growing up, they happen uh, to everyone. The question is, can you withstand them in a way that doesn't uh, have you and, and your family members fall through the cracks? Uh, somebody gets in an accident, somebody has a healthcare emergency, somebody loses their job. Uh, those sorts of situations, mm -hmm. you don't have a social safety net, uh, can put somebody out on the street uh, or worse. And so uh, uh, that level of stability um, uh, and structured um, uh, social safety net, I think is something that will be my priority and what I wanna help to, to bring about uh, during my time in Sacramento. Yeah. I was just going to add and affordable housing, but I think you covered a lot of bases. <laughs> just my thoughts. I figured um, you had a housing question, so I was going to say. Oh, that. no. I mean, so the way I see it is like San Francisco, the diaspora that that comes to live where I'm at in, in a, you know, suburbia is is all commuting to San Francisco or South Bay and San Jose. So I'm kind of the midpoint. I like to describe my location as the midpoint between San Jose and San Francisco because everybody lives here, they all work in tech. So, and part of the reason they live here is because housing. You can't find housing in San Jose, you can't find housing in San Francisco, that's at an appropriate price point. And even where I live, uh, it's exceedingly expensive and actually excludes certain communities of color uh, and minorities from moving here. Uh, so housing is something I'm really uh, a, a big advocate for, especially affordable housing, transit oriented. Anyway, I'm going to bug you about this later on your campaign. Uh, in any case, the, the central premise of this podcast is to talk about voting rights. Um, and as a candidate, you're obviously encouraging every voter to get out, you know, target the youth, et cetera. But I want to circle back uh, to the year 2020, where we had a once in a century pandemic, uh, and a historic 2020 election nationally and locally, you know, just walk me through your year of 2020 and how you addressed it all. It was pretty crazy. Uh, you know, when, when, when the pandemic first hit, we didn't really know the extent of it. We didn't know how many people were going to die. It got real crazy real quick. Um, I was literally with my staff driving around our city, dropping off toilet paper and masks and gloves and, <laughs> and um, you know, visiting hospitals and, 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 and then getting donations and just scrambling uh, to make sure everybody was taken care of and, and trying to get uh, everybody to that basic level of being able to protect themselves. Uh, and then, you know, similarly, you know, with people who were on the streets and, uh, you know, and trying to get people inside and in and, and our shelter in place hotel program. And, you know, I think what what it what it revealed was a few things. One, uh, 
a lot of our people are vulnerable all of the time and they're very vulnerable. And when a pandemic hits, we're, we're, we're recognizing that, you know, realizing that moment, but we, you know, you finally had to grapple with the fact that so many of the people who work in our, in our city don't have paid sick leave, you know, people like folks who do uh, drive for uh, Uber and, and Lyft, no paid sick leave, no basic worker protections. Many people don't have health care. Many, you know, many people don't have housing. All of these things during a pandemic, we're, we're focusing on them with a level of urgency. But in reality, all of those things put people at risk and all of us at risk on a regular basis. And so I think that we really magnify the gaps in, in the protections that exist for people during that time. The other thing that I think that, that we realized very quickly is we leave a lot on the table when it comes to creative solutions to the problems that we're facing. All of a sudden, during the pandemic, we start going, hey, wait a second, we got all these hotels around here. Why don't we rent some of these hotels, buy some of these hotels, bring people inside? Oh, and we look around and we say, oh, all these small businesses, uh, they're struggling and they want, they want more customers. And now all of a sudden they can't have people come in inside and, and eat in there. Why don't we just take one of these parking lots and, and have people sit outside and enjoy themselves outside? It's like, yeah, we should have done that before. <laughs> you know, uh, we should have done all these things before. So we, 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 we at the same time, we, we, we put a magnifying glass and revealed the ways in which we have these shortcomings in protecting our people. On the other hand, there was a magnifying glass as well on the ways in which we're holding ourselves back by not taking advantage of all of the opportunities and resources that we may have uh, as a society to meet these challenges. And so I think that for me, it was a year of that. You know, it was the year of, damn, this is messed up. Damn, wait, we can do that? That's a solution we can use? Why didn't we do that before? Let's do it, you know, and uh, and again and again, uh, and so I think it, it 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 helped us better understand the challenges that we face and see them. But also, I hope it's helped to uh, unleash a level of, of 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 creativity, and and that we have lifted from ourselves limitations we may have uh, placed on on some of our our our, our possibilities. Yeah, I was going to say it's a shitstorm, but that answer works. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 2020 was crazy. I mean, I worked on like four, four elections and still dealing with the aftermath of that. I had a friend the other day who she was like, you know, we're going into 2022. Uh, I haven't even gotten over the year 2020. You know, I'm still thinking about that. Uh, so that, that kind of puts it in perspective. Uh, but kind of the next question I want to ask is, is really simple to yes or no, uh, and it has to do, I think, a lot with what we're dealing with in the United States right now when it comes to voter suppression um, in, in certain key states targeting certain key demographics. Uh, but the question is, is voting important? Um, yes. Voting is important. <laughs> uh, um, uh, if, you know, the the, re, the reality is that um, you know what's that saying you know if um, if you don't if if you're not if you're not sitting at the table you're on the menu or whatever it is you know there's no doubt that communities that vote more and that consistently vote get more attention and get more responsiveness and and that government is more accountable to them and communities that don't vote elected officials don't 
aren't as concerned about. And that's because people, you know, work out of self-interest and they, that's how accountability within government works. So uh, vote, you know, and I, I think a lot of times young people are dismissed because of the sense that they don't vote, um, you know, and, um, you know, that that's, you know, that's something that I think that we can address. It's a solvable problem. There's a lot of issues in government that, that are really challenging. Uh, making sure that people understand that, that your voice matters because you show up and vote is pretty bare minimum. Uh, but there's a lot of barriers that are put in the way and there are a lot of things that make that challenging. But um, it's absolutely it, it matters. Yeah, good. It was like a yes. You know, when, when people say yes to that question, I feel I should just end the podcast there because that's the <laughs> point, right. That, that's the point to me. If you're and it's not a silver bullet. And I like to explain this on the show a lot is that when you vote, it's like the first step. You know, it's like learning the ABCs. It's the first ingredient you need to complete the next word. The next phrase, my next step is get involved. Maybe go work on a campaign. You know, I hear you're running for office. Uh, I'm going to send my viewers to go work for you. So you're welcome. You know? <laughs> uh, but but that's that's kind of the point is it, it's it's a measure of your citizenship. And and it's the fundamental step to creating a healthier democracy um, and helping candidates like yourself succeed. Uh, so go out and vote. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, and I, and I guess I want to close with this question. It's one I ask every guest, which is kind of your advice, your your recommendation for my generation, Gen Z. I, you're not Gen Z. I mean, you look Gen Z, but you're not. <laughs> I I am I am I am upper level um, millenn millennial. Okay. I All just right. make the millennial cut. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate that. I look Gen Z though. That, you kind of look Gen Z. <laughs> uh, but but and I don't know what the word Gen Z means. Like actually ask yourself who who gave us that. Yeah, anyway, so that could be a separate podcast. Uh, you know what can we do to make an impact on elections, on voting, on policies that that we that we want, or and how do we target you know key peoples who don't vote, who feel alienated, exhausted, uh, who need to rely on systemic changes? What do we do to reach out to those people? And how, as you know, we're the next graduating class of voters. So, so how can we make an impact going into, you know, the next 10, 20 years? Well, um, well, you can not only vote, you can run for office, you can work for campaigns, uh, you can uh, organize things. You know, I, um, one of the ways I got started in politics is I just started organizing events and I just started to bring people together around things I cared about. There was a school that, you know, told me they needed help and they needed volunteers. So I organized 50 people to come to a read aloud. And then they said, yeah, we also, our library needs books. So we organized an event. We had 200 people come out and donate books and supplies and, and money. Next thing you know, I'm running for school board. <laughs> you know, I mean, these are things that, that, you know, follow your heart in terms of however you can make a difference. And if people are drawn to you, that also gives you uh, an ability to have greater levels of impact. Don't be afraid to step out there and be a part of something and try something. You know, Gen Z in particular, you got all the tools at your disposal to make the greatest possible impact. You, you're doing a podcast, uh, you know, you're doing this, you, well, not a podcast, but YouTube series thing. And you're reaching people, could you, you just, you had you did it because you could just do it on your computer. I mean, and you just contacted me and I said, sure, I don't know you, but that's fine. I'll be on there. 
And, um, and these are things that you, you've determined you have the power to influence and impact, but these are, you're doing it with tools that any person has, you know? And I think that that's something that Gen Z is uniquely capable of because of the tools. You know, I started organizing events when Facebook events were just getting started. Now it's like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like that's all you got. Right. But like, I would say, all right, we're all going to go to this one event. We're going to give money. We're going to help these kids. And here, I'm just going to create a Facebook invite. Next thing you know, 300 people show up. Uh, and now with Gen Z, you have all of these, you know, you have TikTok and whatever, you know, kids using today. I don't even you know, know all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 um, but all of these things, I think, you know, give you a, a, a set of tools that you should use to have an impact. You know, tweet at your elected officials. Mm. I'm be uh, tweeting at you. Don't worry. Yeah, ask them. You know, to come on your shows, start a show, and all of these things are are within your. You know, uh, we notice as an elected official, you know, or somebody who runs an organization, or whatever. We notice, and just don't be afraid to jump in there and 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 try something, and and you know, you'll be surprised who's willing to come along with you. That's democracy. Yeah. True that. I mean, you came along, so how hard? <laughs> it took a couple asks, but finally here I am. Yeah, true that. Yeah. Uh, well, well, no, thank you so much. Uh, how can how can people stay updated on your platform, your campaign? This is the only part of the show where you can promote yourself. <laughs> well, I won't say too much. MattHaney.com, sign up. Uh, we have a, a campaign office on the corner of Castro and Market in San Francisco. Drop by. Uh, this election will happen over the next few months and um, find me on Twitter or Instagram, Matt Haney SF, uh, send me a message and, uh, you know, uh, let me know how I can be a part of whatever it is you're doing. True. And you have to follow me back. That, yeah. that, that feels, that feels necessary. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add before, before we go? I don't think so, but thank you. Yeah, no, Shaking thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope you run for president. That's what that's that's what you told me to say, right? <laughs> no, I, no, I, I don't recall. Okay, okay. okay. Telling you that. All right, that came from the heart. Yeah. That came from the heart. See, there it is. Well, thank you so much for that uh, tacit endorsement. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we, we you know I, we won't be running against each other in twenty sixty or whenever you know when you're twenty fifty. Yeah. Anyway, who knows about the numbers? Uh, thank you, thank you so much for coming on, Matt. Appreciate your time. Good luck on the campaign. Uh, and, and yeah, I wish you the best of luck with, with your future endeavors. Like, Thank you. Take care. Keep listening to Drake. Yes, I watch your stories. I know you're a Drake fan. Yeah, I you know. Drake, Drake, Drake and cat videos. I'm trying to go for like a genre. It's not a bad genre. Overlaid with Drake. Check it out. Yeah, we will do. Thank you so much, Matt. All right. Thank you. Take care.